It is March 25th, 2015. Hello and welcome to East Meets West, the show where Rob and I discuss contemporary Canadiana from our adopted homes in Ottawa and Calgary. Hey, Rob. Episode you 6. you still hear that sign? Yeah, there was a, for people who uh, were not in the pre-show, which was basically just Nick and I, there was a massive, massive car alarm going off and it, it honestly, I described it as sounding like um, sci-fi, uh, a spaceship in the 50s firing all its weapons at once. It was just making the most, it was like, uh, it was like a normal car alarm, but sarcastic. Like, haha, I know you're trying to start recording. <laughs> But it is over now, at least from what I can tell. Thank heavens. Ugh. So we've been on a hiatus. Are we? Future Chat's been on hiatus. We've just This is just par for the course. I just assumed, you know, that went on with it. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it feels good to talk. It does. It feels very good. It feels, it's been seven days since I last did a podcast, and that's far too long. Oh man, how do you <laughs> like? Do you even talk to people if nobody's going to record it? I do, um, but it it feels like it's not worth nearly as much. Um, if people know okay. if people know what's happening, what what I'm talking about, it makes me feel better. Okay, that's hmm. fair. Yeah. So what's new with you? Uh, finished our Eddy Current course. We are doing our Cedo course. That is a the course to become a certified exposure device operator. Okay. Which basically means you have a gamma source, a gamma emitter, usually iridium-192 or cobalt-60. You crank it out, you blast something, and then you crank it back in. That is... It's a lot of it. That does, I don't get it. <laughs> that doesn't seem like enough words to describe a complicated, non-destructive testing thing. Well, I mean, we're ta- uh, you expose film. Okay. That's like the basis of it. But it's up to radiographic testers to actually develop the film and interpret what they find. Sure. Aceto is just the guy that, you know, exposes it to gamma rays. Okay. So it's not, yeah. it's not particularly complicated, so you don't need to be complicated in describing it. Well... I mean, there's a lot of theory. It's actually a review of a lot of chem stuff, which is great for me. Okay. But, yeah. That's fair. You've got to have all the safety and theory down because the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission governs that, and they don't mess around, as it turns out. That makes they sense. Had, uh, apparently, there was a guy who, like, you have to wear three dosimeters at any given time. One that shoots off an alarm if you suddenly get a very high dose. One that you can reset every day to keep track of how much you've gotten that day. And one that you wear for two weeks and then send away to Health Canada for them to total up what you've been exposed to and keep a file. Wow. And so this guy, like there are people that just don't care. Um, and so, okay. well, they're like, you know, whatever. I don't really care. It's just fine. It's fine. So he wasn't wearing his dosimetry equipment and the inspectors came up to him and were like, Oh, Hey, we're here to audit you. 
where's your dosimeter? And he's like, oh, it's the craziest thing. I don't, I don't have it on me today. It's, it's weird. I, I must have forgotten. They're like, okay, well, this is your warning. Don't do it again. And he's like, oh, of course not. Yeah, whatever. So the next day, the inspectors come back to the same guy the day after. Didn't have his dosimeter on him. <laughs> Uh, I believe it was, here is your $5,000 fine, and we will see you in court. Wow. Take it seriously. They sure do. I guess, yeah, that's a good thing. (laughs) They want to limit the exposure of the public, but they're also an agency that uh, has, it's one of those agencies where they have, as John Oliver would describe, a certain regulatory zeal. Yeah. And they will absolutely try and protect you from your own stupidity. That's kind of reassuring, actually, if I can be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like it a lot. I think that's great. So um, I should mention before we get too far into the show that we do have uh, uh, far too many. We have at least one eagle-eyed listener who likes pointing things out that we um, either got wrong or missed. And uh, this particular this instance I'm going to talk about right now, um, I did notice I did know that this happened, but it didn't bother me too much, but uh, did not get away with it, it turns out. So uh, I titled the last episode Squeezing Money Out of Sand because I thought it was clever, but the actual thing I said was squeezing oil out of sand. I just thought oil equals money in this instance. I was going to say basically the same thing, yeah. but uh, but shame on you, Rob. Hmm. I, I hope we can be better in the future. Just so uh, that listener does not point out, I said eagle-eyed listener. Um, that is not a good thing to say. Uh, it's more like bat-eared yeah. because bats have very sensitive hearing, I think. Or dog-eared. Yeah, but dog-eared usually refers to like bookmarking. <laughs> There's no good answer for this. <laughs> owl-eared. Owls have very that, sensitive hearing. That is true. We'll go with owl-eared for now. There's one owl. Their face is actually a, ref- a reflector dish. I don't know if you're familiar or not. Is that the snowy owl, barn owl? I feel like I Something I would like rec- you'd recognize the face if you saw it. You would. Yeah. Its fa- its face looks like a reflector dish. Right. But that yeah. I like that. Don't you though? Don't you just? <laughs> um there's another piece of follow up here. You have a, a story you want to tell, but what Yeah, I was going to tell it. I do not remember the context, but I feel like it's a good story. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know what we were talking about, but it got me thinking about uh, the story out of Sutton, Ontario. And uh, there was just a large kerfuffle when a, a school tried to ban the displaying of the Confederate flag in its school and parking lot and whatnot. And you're familiar with the Confederate flag. The Southern United States Confederates? Well, they they were trying to become the Confederate States of America. But yeah, that's the one they flew, the one they were the ones that wanted to keep slavery. Right. Etc. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that flag was showing up a lot in this school. And the school banned it to much outrage. And when they actually asked the students about it, they're like, so why exactly are you upset? 
And they're like, well, you know, we should have the right to display what we want to and yada, yada, yada. And they're like, I mean, it's a racist symbol. Like, how can you, how can you defend that? And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, like Confederate States, they, they were fighting for like highly reductionist, yeah, but they yeah, were yeah. fighting for slavery. And they're like, oh, I thought it was like a rural pride thing. <laughs> I mean, in some ways it technically is, but very backwater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Sutton, Ontario. But so they're, they're okay now. They got rid of them. I guess. I hope. <laughs> One would assume. They're so proud of that flag. <laughs> oh, proud of being rural, Rob. Yeah, who wouldn't be? Not like them city slickers. No. Not like them at all. No. Their fancy hair and $45 suits. <laughs> I think you're paying too little for your suits. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not being from a more rural area. That's true. Yeah. All right. Uh, so should we get to the show? Is there? I think this is the show. No, but is there anything else you need to follow up on from previous weeks? Um. Well, I think in a previous week, and to our first talking point, you mentioned trying to live off of UTC. Did I mention that? Did I mention I was going to? I'm pretty sure we talked about it. Because hmm. I know it was right around the, cha- the time change, either right before or right after. Right after. Yeah. When we managed to scoop last week tonight, <laughs> talk about daylight savings time mere hours before they did. Yeah, we did that. It was beautiful. Go us. So happy. Yeah. Right. Um, so that being said, I have been since essentially that that episode. I don't. I didn't really change my. Well, I mean, obviously, I didn't change my computers to the right uh, time for my time zone when the time changed for daylight savings. Uh, changed itself. But that the following day, the, the day after we recorded on Monday, I changed all my my phone, my laptop, my work computer, my home computer to Universal uh, Coordinated Time (UTC). UCT, UCT. Um, I think it's I think it's abbreviated UTC, but it's definitely Universal Universal Coordinated Time, also known as for the purposes of this conversation GMT Greenwich Mean Time. That's what it used yeah. to be, but they've they've sort of consolidated uh- it. I don't know. Abbreviations get weird. They do. You remember my waist to height ratio post on my blog? I remember it, but I don't remember the point that you're referring to. The abbreviation is capital W, capital H, lowercase t, capital R. (laughs) Waist to height ratio. All right. Well, that's... Yeah. I mean, technically that, that is okay. It's better than this one, but... Waist height to ratio? What, yeah. What is it? Anyway, the point is, abbreviations, they get wonky sometimes. Yeah. So uh, what I've been doing is living essentially four hours ahead of everybody else. Uh, and effectively, that makes no difference to my day. Like, on- honestly, it doesn't. I wake up at the same literal time. I go to bed around the same literal time. Um, but I've been noticing that it is a lot easier to wake up. That when my alarm is set for 9.40 a.m. than it is when it is set for 5.40 a.m. Even though I'm going to bed at 10.30 or at 2.30 instead of 10.30. And 
if you want to say something, go ahead. Cause I, I got more detail on this. <laughs> How much corner gas would you say you've watched? I've never seen it. Oh, there's, there is an episode where they tackle this issue or something similar. And Hank keeps changing his time zone. Okay. And so he shows up late to things. He's like, but I'm on like, you know, Pacific time now or whatever it is. <laughs> he wanted to start doing things earlier. So he just changed his time zone right. so that it would be earlier. And he was just terribly strung out switching from time zone to time zone constantly. Yeah. And eventually he just crossed the international date line. <laughs> so he was a full 24 hours ahead of everyone. <laughs> and then he didn't have problems anymore. Well, he would have been a day early, wouldn't he? Or did he did he sort of revert back one day eventually? I'm not sure. I'm not sure they talked about that in any subsequent episodes. <laughs> and now the show's over, so we'll just never know. We'll never ever know. Uh, but so for me, living four hours in the future annoys people around me because I'm always like, oh, we were out last night, for instance, and it was I it was approaching ten o'clock, and I knew I had to get to get home to get to bed soon and i would point out oh look it's almost two and then uh our friend of the show a friend of unwind media amon uh would say he he said repeatedly because we see each other almost every day at work uh you're the worst because he knows that i'm four hours (laughs) ahead and he knows that i just say this because i think it's interesting but it's honestly it's been very productive for me it's i don't know why it is psychologically like working I work now, my hours are 11 to 7, approximately. and But I still get to leave during the day, so it's really nice. Interesting. It doesn't, it doesn't affect the... Like, my calendar isn't affected at all by this, because the fact that I've changed the system time on all my things means that all, my, all the appointments just shift around the way they're supposed to. <laughs> It that's great. Honestly, it's fine. The only issue that I have with scheduling things is that if they happen after 8 p.m. local time, um, I have to refer to them as happening the following day. Which means that if I have an evening appointment, like uh, every week we have uh, dodgeball on Mondays. So my 8 p.m. dodgeball game actually happens on Tuesdays instead of 8 p.m. Monday. That's the only thing I've noticed in terms of scheduling and calendaring that I've had issues with. Mm. Because I'm just like, oh, I could set. Not on. I could see that being a problem. Yeah, but other than that, in terms of my productivity, in terms of how I feel, even if even if I go to bed at like 4 a.m., I still feel okay because I don't have to wake up until almost 10. Even though psychologically, it makes no difference at all. Hmm. It's been a wonderful experience. Well, I'm glad. And since it affects nobody else, I'm going to just keep doing it. Just don't go full Hank. I was going to say, you know, before we jumped into this conversation, I was wondering how it had gone for you because your hair is all long and you seem to have stopped shaving. And <laughs> It's a coincidence. <laughs> okay. My hair is, my hair has been the same length. It's been slowly growing, obviously, but I just, uh, I just showered like an hour ago and didn't want to do it all up again. Fair enough. Yeah. But it's been it's been a wonderful experience. I could not be happier with how it's gone. 
I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, so you wanted, well, actually, I wanted you to talk about hockey a little bit. Because this is, uh, this is Canada. We're closing in on April. We are. Which is the, uh, I mean, it is the end of the contemporary Maple Leafs <laughs> season. <laughs> Yes, Except it is. for that one year when we made it, wasn't that nice? Uh, yep. Actually, huge news out of uh, Toronto. Their game against Minnesota, which was, I, I don't even know, because apathy. Um, it was their first non-sellout game since they moved to the ACC. Wow. Yeah. 16 years. For 16 years, every seat in the house was sold until a couple days ago. So, did they win that game? I don't know if you've been paying attention. So to they, didn't, they didn't win that doing, game? But <laughs> no, no. They have lost... 30 of their last 36 games. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. We're failing so hard, and we're still not failing harder than the Sabres. That's amazing. Who have just put up legendarily bad numbers. I think they're still in the 40s, like, of points. How is that even a thing? It makes no sense. I, I don't even know. They, they're doing I'm looking at the stats now they're looking they're doing considerably better than the Sabres they're like seven games ahead <laughs> they both have terrible records but uh, although the Leafs have won Wait. six in a row or lost six in a row they sure have yeah I mean it's just ah oh. like although one thing that does irritate me about this is that uh, you know the obvious commentator story was, well, now they've finally started hitting the Leafs where it hurts. And now maybe they'll start getting better because they know that people aren't going to show up. And I mean, honestly, how much money do you think the Leafs make from their attendance as opposed to, I don't know, all the jerseys they sell, all the shirts, all the hats, all the licensed merchandise. Well, concessions as well. Like I'm I'm sure it's not, it's not something they want to keep happening or keep getting worse, but I don't think it's the end of the world for them. My biggest issue with this is that like I'm, I'm firmly of the opinion that had they stuck with Burke's plan, they would be better than they are now. I mean, they were still a flawed team, but they would be better than they are now because they fired Burke and just started making the goofiest decisions and signed David Clarkson to what is commonly referred to as the worst contract in the NHL right now. What does he have? Uh, f- uh, is it six or five more years at 5.25 million? And like people that were coming up from the AHL were tying him for point production. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Well, like, and I mean, every analytics person could tell or foretold that that would happen, that, you know, he wasn't as good as his results were on paper. 
And even that, like, in his one thirty goal season, he had like thirty goals and fifteen assists. Right. That's those aren't good numbers. Like, no. you're finishing off someone else's uh, scoring chances. <laughs> but so, so now I think they've they've gone heavy on a youth movement. They've pulled in Mark Hunter who was the GM of the London Knights and is really well known for recognizing and developing young talent, which is something we obviously need in the front office because we've had problems with that historically. They've hired uh, Kyle Dubas, formerly of the Sioux Greyhounds. He oversaw the Sioux Greyhounds turning around from like third last in the OHL to one of the, you know, one of the elite teams and, and Shanahan, I just think is also ma- helping to make good decisions. Like he's just hand on the tiller, keeping, keeping the ship going in the right direction. Right. And so the thing is, I think that they are actually, it's going to be a painful couple years. Absolutely. But I think they're going in absolutely the right direction. And if they finally get to elite status again, there are going to be idiot commentators that point to the loss of their uh, sold-out streak as the turning point in the Toronto Maple Leafs history. And I'm going to hate it. Will they, though? Do you think it'll just be one game? Or do you think it'll be, like, just a few games? And in... I, I, I have no idea. But, like... In year five or six of Future Chat in East Meets West, I'm just going to be so angry. I'm going to be so happy because the Leafs are finally good again, but I'm going to be so angry. You know what's weird? Also, sorry, go ahead. What? Um, what's weird? I'm looking at the – I'm still got the stats open here. The Maple Leafs have scored only two fewer goals than the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Were you aware of that? I'm not surprised. But they have allowed almost 80 more. And that's why. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah, because earlier in the season, like they, they were just playing the rush game. I mean, they yeah. would just get hemmed into their own zone. And by the grace of Nazem Kadri, Phil Kessel, James Van Riemsdyk, if one of those guys could cherry pick, they were just, you know, three strides and they were gone. Right. And they could managed to get a shorthanded goal or just, you know, a one-timer. But as soon as those opportunities dry up, they can't win games anymore. And lo and behold, they didn't. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you say the Leafs have been historically bad, and I, I know their January literally was historically bad. But uh, they are not, they're fifth worst in the league right now in terms of record. And that pains me to no end because the top two draft picks are going to be just amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing is I'm like, I'm getting close to graduation time Yeah. and it's looking like there are a lot more jobs up in Edmonton than there are here in Calgary. As much as that pains me, right? I might have to move. But I feel like if I went to Edmonton, I would just kind of get it. Like, 
I know a couple Edmontonians. They're very proud of their city. Like the one guy in our class who's just great, drinks a lot of coffee and wears plaid unironically. And I feel like that's <laughs> that is you basically. <laughs> but but not only that, they are also dealing with a terrible NHL hockey team. Right. So I feel like if I have to go there, I'll just be able to like you know slide right in. That, yeah, these are legendary teams, legendarily good teams that have had dynasties that are just not doing well at all. Oh yeah, the '80s Oilers under like with Gretzky. Yeah, just. And now I'm sitting here just hoping that maybe the Leafs can win the draft lottery. <laughs> they currently have like a 10 percent chance of winning the top pick. Right. And that's uh, is that? Am I thinking Connor McDavid? Is that the right name? That's him. Yeah. He's putting up Crosby numbers in the OHL, which is a better league than Crosby's. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. I mean, his former league, the QMJHL. Yeah. Because yeah. the NHL is better than the Q. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm taking that bold stance. <laughs> um. So... Are, are you – is there anything else you want to say on hockey? Because I want to tangentially move away from it. Or like actually talk about the playoffs? Well, yeah. Well, how about, how about we'll, we'll, we'll do this and then we'll come back and we'll talk a bit about the playoffs. How are the – the Senators are in the picture. They are. They're edging out the Bruins, aren't they? They are in the picture. I think, yeah, they are um, – they're edging out the Bruins right now based on the fact they've won seven games in a row. <laughs> it's – I mean, it bothers me, but only because of all the smug Ottawa fans I know. They People in Ottawa are very smug. I will say that. Especially about the Senators. Yeah. They're, they're not a great team overall, but this is a hot streak. They seem to forget that they almost lost the Senators to bankruptcy. <laughs> Didn't? Because well, they did they once. Were, they were number one in the league. Yeah, they lost them once in 1917 or something. Or no. They didn't come back the until 20s. what, the 80s or 90s? It was 93, yeah. I think. They started playing again. And then they almost lost them when they were number one in the league. Yeah. Like back in the days of the cash line, uh, Alfredson, Spezza, Heatley. Yeah. Like that line. And they couldn't make enough money to break even. Yeah. Yeah. So, although now that Alfredson's gone, I have a hard time hating the Senators. I just they're a plucky little Canadian squad, and I'm kind of hoping for them to succeed. Just not enough that they'll win a cup, and I have to hear about it every time I talk to someone from Ottawa. <laughs> but they're not they're not that bad. Maybe we hang out with a different different group of people. No, I mean I mean the team itself. I I. Ottawa fans oh, are mostly no. insufferable. I, I agree with that. <laughs> I'm glad we're in agreement. <laughs> if we had a bigger audience, I would say prepare for hate tweets. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's what I'm going for. As controversial okay. as possible. We'll, Sweet. We'll put in the description for this episode, we'll put uh, the senators suck just to get up some rage. <laughs> oh, man. The <laughs> flames. They're, I am absolutely uh, an what do you what do I want to say? I love the advanced stats movement in hockey. Yeah. Because especially when I was coming into the sport, I didn't really understand what was going on, but people started quantifying things for me and I was like, "Oh, well isn't that interesting?" 
And it was just a good way to know which players to watch. Right. Yeah. It's helpful. It's not the be all and end all. I think it's an excellent bellwether, but it's not, it's not the whole story. Sure. But it it is very interesting seeing trends that you wouldn't otherwise see in any other circumstance. It's, It's good at saying that players like Grabowski and Clark MacArthur are great. And it pains me that Clark MacArthur is now a Senator, but like those two players were great and Carlisle just refused to use them. And they got rid of both MacArthur and Grabowski in favor of Clarkson, who analytics could tell you was not great. (laughs) And yeah, so successes like that, I'm happy to hear about. And I've completely forgot where I was going with this train of thought. Oh, Calgary, the flames. Their underlying numbers are not good. Oh. So a lot of people are predicting a fall back to earth maybe in the next few seasons or so. Yeah. And man, I've been talking to people about that and some people are receptive. Some people are like, yeah, but the ride is sweet right now. Boy, did I get someone trash talking me. Just completely unintelligent trash talk. I was like, yeah, but I mean, they're not playing a good possession game. Like, I'm not sure they can, they really have what it takes to win a championship this way. Like, no, the flames are awesome and the Leafs suck. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm not debating you. Like the Leafs are a terrible team right now. Like they just, they're awful and they've been awful for a long time, but Calgary's not as great as people say they are. No, Calgary's wet. Calgary's awesome. And the Leafs stink. And that's about how that conversation went. I mean, if that's the extent of your argument, then you're not going to get very far. Stonewall? Yeah. It's a technique? I guess so. <laughs> so we, we'll talk about this year's playoffs, but I want to first, I want to talk about this photo that, that came up on CBC today. Uh, oh. Not today. Came out a couple days ago, I guess. Um, yeah. And it's tangentially related because it's about hockey and it's about Canada. And uh, so there's this picture that the BCRCMP tweeted um, of a Mountie playing hockey in this beautiful mountainscape. It looks like the place where that uh, Molson Canadian uh, commercial was shot, the one where they fly the guys out to, they helicopter them out to the ice rink. Yeah. Um, I'll obviously put a link to this this picture in the notes for the show, but... uh, what do you think about this? I, I really I really like this. I want to live here. I, I'm just wondering how I could make a career and live in the Rockies. <laughs> like, it is just such a gorgeous area. I would want to, like, keep an apartment in Calgary so I could go and do, like, big city things, but then just re- retreat back to my mountain house. Yeah just oh it's a gorgeous picture it's a gorgeous picture because it's a gorgeous area that ice rink looks like it's just endless entertainment oh man and you've got a mountie playing hockey so yeah there's that (laughs) it's uh yeah beautiful so the the uh i believe the question posted or posited was is this the most Canadian picture ever? Yeah. With the suggestion that maybe you need Bonhomme shotgunning some maple syrup while, ri- or 
Riding a, a polar bear? Shotgunning a Molson while riding a plaid-wearing polar bear. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a pretty Canadian shot, but, like, this this is a pretty good start. Even just, like, as an advertisement for Canada and Canadian tourism, this is this is all you would need for, for most people. Absolutely. Yeah. I I really like it. There's a, there was some, oh, I forget where I was reading. Uh, it came up, CGP Grey put up a video today about Scandinavia. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah, and uh, it, it reminded me of a few days ago when I saw an article about something about quality of life in, in countries around the world. And I noticed that all, the top six or seven were all like above the 49th, above the 50th parallel. Uh, yep. Sweden, Norway, Denmark, uh, Iceland, Canada, they were all up in that top area. And I think this exemplifies why. Because on a, <laughs> on a cold winter's day in the mountains, how can you not enjoy yourself? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to say like places that don't have access to stuff like that would be places like Calgary. Because cold winter's day in Calgary is not quite so majestic. No. You need it, but, but I, Banff is just, yeah, it's an hour away. Like Canmore is a 45 minute drive. Yeah. Okay. We can go back to the playoffs now. I just brief Canadian diversion. That is a great shot. Yeah. That, uh, I might make that something, some kind of picture of mine, cover photo or something. I was thinking to make a great desktop background. Yeah, I think they were saying that. Better resolution, but uh, yeah. He was saying that's why they took the photo, I believe, for his desktop background. And then (laughs) it's like, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, it's solid. Yeah. Apparently, there are some companies. I don't know how you get this lucky, but uh, you can get NDT contracts for Lake Louise. Ooh. Yeah, you, uh, it's like working three hours a day and then the rest of your day is just whatever you want because you're in gorgeous Lake Louise. Yeah. There's no bad season in Lake Louise. I don't believe. No, no, there isn't. And the other interesting note there is our teacher right now was doing radiography. So has all these dosimeters on him because he's so high up or you're so high up and there's much less atmosphere. Yeah you get a much higher dose of radiation than you would further down. Is he wearing a do- or dosimeters because of his elevation? No, oh, no, it's cause you're okay. cranking out a gamma okay, source. Good. good, good, good. That's yeah. Cause I know you do. There was a, I think it was Veritasium did a video on that in the last month or so about radiation and different doses and oh, talking about how when I haven't seen like that. frequent flyers have, uh, like more than even than radiation workers, they they get more radiation. Oh yeah, it's huge. Yeah, but it's naturally occurring. It is, so they don't have to track it. Right. I mean, technically, it's if you're in a uranium mine, that's naturally occurring. <laughs> you should still track that's, it. I I think it's such a an odd line to draw it because is. it's basically like if humans were involved in like hauling it out of somewhere, yeah. then it has to be regulated. But I mean, I've I've worn dosimeters before for X-ray work. Yeah, I saw one. I don't think we ever wore them. Ah. Nah. Oh well. 
Uh, is there anything, is there more you want to say on the playoffs? You want to talk about the playoffs this year and how the Leafs are not going to be in it? Oh, that seems a little, <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, they aren't Toronto centric. <laughs> no, I mean that they're not making it. I kind of wish they were worse in the standings right now. Cause I jumped on tank nation. Uh, right. I don't know. Do you have, who's your horse? in this race um i have an allegiance to a person who has an allegiance to the habs and so that seems like that's a good it's a good horse to be on this year it is she's not yeah her her dad's from montreal and goes to games every so often this is your wife isn't it (laughs) pre-wife you're soon to be (laughs) yeah they're a good team you can't really fault them for that they are an okay team with a great yes. goaltender. And that's and most of PK what it takes. Subban. Yeah. In the playoffs, that's all you need is a great goaltender. The league or the flames from five or 10 years ago told us that. Oh, the Kipper. Yeah. The Bruins from right now and previously told us that. Goalies if from Finland. Just, if we could just not mention that goaltender i would be pretty happy what happened with that goaltender tuka rask yeah do you know how boston got tuka rask they steal him from the leafs leafs traded for him traded for him yeah or they they traded him away for andrew raycroft (laughs) (laughs) oh no Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was it was a bad move. That's like when uh, I wish analytics had been around earlier. Yeah, they had. Um, it reminds me of the trade, how Joe Neuendijk went to um, at the time, the I believe it was the Minnesota North Stars before they moved to Dallas or as they moved to Dallas. He uh, was traded for a extremely young Joe McGinley. So Joe Neuendijk was just finishing his career. And they traded him to get uh, Jerome McGinley, who captained the Flames for a really, really long time, to uh, some very excellent seasons. Oh, McGinley was just amazing. Yeah. Oh, he still he still is. He's just not with them anymore. Well, he's he's not as good as he was. No. But I mean, he's also making it his mission to mentor young players, which is just absolutely a great thing to do. Yeah. I think he's with Colorado now. Yeah, he was with the Penguins for a while, but he's... And then he almost fought Dion Phaneuf, <laughs> and the refs broke it up, and Canada, the world really is not richer no, for that been fun. having that. We were robbed. We were robbed of that experience. <laughs> uh, like Toronto Maple Leafs captain fighting his former captain and mentor. Yeah. Oh, I don't even care who would have won. That would have just been great to watch. <laughs> you know what I find interesting? This, this because of sort of, again, dating someone who is more into hockey in the, in the playoffs especially, I'm now noticing how bizarre the NHL looks right now just from a, sta- uh, a conference standpoint. 
the playoff. Oh yeah, we're in the Northeast division. Yeah, they now have wild cards and all kinds of complicated stuff. It was so simple before. Ah, yeah, but Detroit was just in the wrong conference. Yeah, well, they they were there. There were a few teams that were in the wrong conference, but yeah, it, it, you know what we need is two more Western teams. Yeah, because then you can just have four divisions with eight teams each. Because seven, seven, eight, and eight is just you know odd. It's very odd. Um, I was going to say that the one team that now sticks out for me, and this is a, this sort of an East meets meets West thing is uh the winnipeg jets have never seemed they're like the most eastern team i can think of because winnipeg is so far east of calgary where i grew up i i know the that most you, eastern and the western conference you mean i i think of winnipeg as being very much in the in eastern canada no no but that's how i that's how i think of it i'm i i may be objectively wrong but that's how i feel <laughs> yeah because you grow up in Calgary, you're like, ah, much past, you know, Saskatchewan, you're basically in the east right there. Yeah. That's like how you say uh, you're from northern Ontario. I've never said I'm from northern Ontario. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I know. Um, I'm from eastern Ontario. Any, Kaya's from northern Ontario. Anyone who is sort of more than an hour north of Toronto often likes to say I'm from northern Ontario, and I just find that really funny. Oh, but funny. those people are idiots. Yeah. They're not idiots. They're just, they have no idea what Northern Ontario actually is. There's this place called North Bay that you can get to by driving, driving like four hours north of Toronto. And North Bay calls itself the gateway to the, to the north. Yeah. It's like the, the furthest south you can get while still being in the north. <laughs> it's honestly, if you look at it, it seems about right. It's maybe halfway up. There's like a, there's like a French river that goes along uh, to the Ottawa River. Yeah. It seems about right. Yeah, Ontario is gigantic and nothing that is by the Great Lakes is north. North Bay is not well, north at all. Lake Superior? It's not even that far north. It's like less than halfway up. <laughs> it's just because it's all wilderness up there. I was going to say, Thunder Bay, I would count as being in northern Ontario. Like, Winnipeg is twice as far north as North Bay is, and it's like, Winnipeg is the furthest south you can get in Manitoba. Yeah. I just, it's not north. It makes no sense. Nothing in Canada makes well, sense to me. There's also this thing called Hudson's Bay. Juts down pretty far. It does. In the eastern half of the country. Yeah. Well, especially James Bay down there. I'm looking at a map right now. Oh, good. Good old James Bay. We got yeah. we got off track here. So I mean, <laughs> we had actually Kai was talking to someone. It was a few summers ago, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm from Northern Ontario. Really, I'm from Northern Ontario too. Oh, where are you from? I'm from Huntsville. <laughs> it's like. Where are you from? I'm from Kirkland Lake. Where? Oh, it's it's way up there. It's like, wait, but I'm from like, or he was from north of Huntsville or something like that. Right. Like uh, Muskoka area. Yeah. It's like, wait, so where is that? It's like, well, 
you, you know where you're from. Yeah. Keep going for about seven hours. And that's where I'm from. It's like, <laughs> what's up there? Yeah, gold mines, lakes, things like that. <laughs> yeah. I think it was the arrogant worms have a song, something Ontario, something, something like you've got rocks and trees and trees and rocks and rocks and lakes and lakes and trees and trees and rocks. (laughs) That does sound like a song they would write. (laughs) It's rocks and trees and trees and rocks and rocks and trees and trees and rocks and rocks and trees and trees and rocks and water. (laughs) (laughs) I miss those guys. I wonder what they're doing right now. Well, if you read my blog post on Harper the Pro Roger, uh, they actually, one of the guys made a song called Harper the Pro Roger. Recently. Absolutely. Absolutely worth a listen. Um, he performed it at a protest that I went to. Hmm. The one and only protest on Parliament that I went to. The protest. Yeah. It was on, it was when he prorogued Parliament. I think for like the second time. Okay. Cause he did it several times. Yeah, I think he did, but yeah, it's just, I was all full of righteous indignation. And so I went and that's when I realized that protests on parliament are usually just, everyone has their pet cause yeah. and they just want a reason to talk. <laughs> yeah. People do that. That's absolutely true. Yep. Yeah, I don't like Northern Canada. You don't even know. Canada goes so much further north than even North Bay. It should be it could be called South Bay, and it would be more accurate. <laughs> Honestly, other than the fact that it's the nor- a North Bay of that particular body of water. What's really interesting is if you uh, that's the Arctic watershed, right? Like Kai is not far from being in the war in the Arctic watershed. Mm-hmm. I it's like a 45, 40 minute drive west. You cross a ridge. Um, but yeah, Calgary is the furthest north I've ever lived. Although climactically, it's probably better than my hometown. Yeah, I would say for sure because you're further from water. Yeah. Or no, no, I mean, like, Belleville is frequently colder. Really? I mean, I've been spoiled this winter, absolutely been spoiled, but Chinooks? Yeah, Chinooks are fantastic. Oh, absolutely. That, Like, my biggest reason for not wanting to go to Edmonton is, like, one, you can't see the Rockies, and two, no Chinooks. <laughs> What's the point of living, honestly? You got no mountains, you got no Chinooks, and your team is the Oilers, like... How bad must that be? Yeah, there's literally nothing to look forward to for eight months out of the year. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I say this in jest because, I mean, I've been to Toronto and I've been to Ottawa. And you ask people from either place which city is better. And boy, do they have things to tell you. I mean, honestly, both have pros, both have cons. They're just different. And I imagine that's what Edmonton is like. Mm. Which I'm going to. We're going for... uh, Going for a thing. I'll talk about it off air. I think objectively but Edmonton is worse. I am go- <laughs> they have that mall. That's a really nice West Edmonton mall is really nice. Can we make the title objectively Edmonton is worse? <laughs> I'm sure we can do that. 
<laughs> I, I don't think we'd get, I don't know that we have any Edmonton listeners, but I know we have some Calgary listeners. So We certainly won't get more Edmonton listeners that way. <laughs> People hate listening to things. That could, that could be a thing. Yeah, probably. <sighs> we are way off topic from playoffs. Is there anything else you want to say on that? Uh, no. You're disappointed. Not really. But there's always can, next year. We can keep talking later. Yeah. We should we should have an episode where we talk about the draft. The the whole lottery system. I heard they they've changed it now and it's not it's literally they actually a lottery now. Big fan. Like they've significantly decreased the like the odds of winning from last place. Right. And that starts this year, I think. Which is great because there are a lot of teams that just tank because they think they're going to get better. Right. And they just don't. I can't think of. But I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I also feel like it helps with parity, like keeping teams yeah. even. Yeah. Because you can just do what the Oilers are doing and try and grab the first overall pick every single year forever. <laughs> but Yeah, that's not great. Certainly not for the people of Edmonton. Well, it's certainly not for the players. I mean, can you imagine being told or being at least like suggested that it's okay if you lose because we'll get the draft pick? I'm even looking at some of the Leafs and just some of those people just look broken. <laughs> Where do you have like, like live pictures of them? <laughs> or is it on their actual? No, you see, you see them on like the broadcasts and stuff like that, and they've been unsuccessful for so long. You can just see. You can see they've died just a little bit in their eyes. They just have this shell shocked look to look about them. Like, I don't. What's? How is this? What's going on? <laughs> just like that kind of look. Yeah. They um. All right. There's five home games left, and uh, I've just been told by the news that they're the rest of the games are fifty percent off the tickets that are remaining. For Leafs home games. We're uh, <laughs> trying to restart that streak, are we? <laughs> they had the longest sellout streak yeah, for a long time. Yeah, I can imagine. Too, it's, it's like, I, I, I don't know what's going to stop it. I think the one that stopped Montreal or uh, New York's was an outrageous blizzard or something like that once. Yeah. The fact that, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, like people tried to get there, but they just couldn't because they were going to die. Yeah. And actually, that was probably New York because I know a lot of Montreal fans that would rather die than miss the game. Yeah. <laughs> the comments section in this article is hilarious. Oh, I bet it is. Most of them saying that they want they would want money to go. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they're playing a good team. Like that's, you could, yeah, that's true. Although then you'd be going to see them lose, effectively. I don't know. I once went to uh, a Senators-Lightning game. Okay. That was pretty entertaining. It was also the only time I saw a win in Scotiabank Place. (laughs) Because every single time I went to Scotiabank Place, the Leafs won. Which is just outrageous odds given the years that I was going. That seems, that seems crazy. Yeah. Hmm. 
Uh, how do you feel about an apro- abrupt topic shift? Oh, Rob, when have we ever pretended to have a semblance of flow? There's no way to flow into this, really. Um, although we did just talk about Harper, the Peroger, um, maybe we can talk a little bit about when he does get things done. What does he do? <laughs> How's that? Is that a good enough segue? <laughs> Yeah, that's great. That's a good segue, <laughs> okay. especially now that we're discussing the the merits of the segue. Yeah, yeah. So uh, ISIS, we're uh, we're looking to muss him up just a little bit. Yeah, I wanted to say that I I know how I feel in my heart about us, North America, the, the sort of Western countries that I'm including some of Europe in. Um, I know how I feel about that. Those countries getting involved in conflict in the middle East. I want to point out that I'm pretty sure you just said a boat. I, that's fine. I am Canadian in the most Canadian accent of all time. I can. Good job. I'm allowed. I'm entitled. (laughs) Oh yeah, bud represent there. (laughs) I, I know how I feel about it and I don't like it, but uh, as I pointed out to you in, in our notes, war is complicated and, uh, Wait, sorry. What don't you like precisely? I, I don't like historically from all the things that I've read and seen about foreign countries getting involved in politics and religion and issues that they don't know. Things have not traditionally gone very well in those instances, and this just seems like more of that. A lot of the borders in that region, for instance, have been drawn up by people that don't live there. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem to be going all that well. Oh, man. Like, it's just. I think uh, Crash Course actually had a a recent episode on Islam. Uh, I don't know how recent it was, but they definitely had one. It. It was pretty good. So, like, what uh, ISIS is doing is they're trying to establish a caliphate. Yep. Just like a, I don't know, it's just like a religious group that exists beyond borders. Yeah. So they're trying to carve out a little theocracy from which they can be ISIS, Islamic State. Right. Or something. And I really don't know what to think about it. Because having just watched all of Crash Course... I'm like ISIS. I'll just to clarify, do not think they're great people uh, doing a lot of, you know, beheadings and whatnot. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Just. And, you know, the rape, the murder, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's all I'm bad. Not a big fan of ISIS. No. That being said, like this kind of thing is not entirely without historical precedent. Like a militant group just suddenly banding together and carving out their own piece of land. Not an uncommon story in history. And I mean, the other thing is a lot of times in history, some bigger powerful nations got bent out of shape about it and tried to fight it and didn't go so well for them. And honestly, I don't even know what we should be doing about it. I also recently read up on, uh, you know, fighting terrorism. And 
it is not very expensive to pull off a terrorist attack on an industrialized nation. No. It's just all you need is something that will explode and a few people who are willing to die. Yeah. And that's all it takes to, one, cause a bunch of damage and two, bait that country into spending billions and trillions. billions of dollars on I was going to say, if not trillions, mm. on military conflict. Yeah. So, like, the states, what have they spent in the Middle East since 9-11? On the military and national yeah. defense? On fighting in the Middle East, whether directly or indirectly. I mean, it's, it is it is in the trillions, several they, trillion they've dollars. They've spent a lot of money. Yeah. And it's... It's like it's difficult to draw that line. Do you just say no? We're not going to fight back because it's too expensive, and just in theoretically invite people to screw with you, or do you go all out, boots on the ground, like invasion style? Like, and I'll also pause here and say the whole like they're going for an expansion of the ISIS mission. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what Mulcair was calling from day one. He was super worried about mission creep. Right. And they're like, no, no, it's just airstrikes. It's just for six months. We'll be okay. And by gum, that uh, that mission seems to be creeping. It's creeping more quickly than I think. Also, yeah. there, like, there's some uh, kerfuffle as to whether or not we should be consulting with Assad over military action in Syria because he's apparently a bad dude himself. Yeah. And they're looking at looking at negotiating with him specifically as unfavorable and man, what do you even do? Yeah. Like you look back at all the things from the Cold War that like the US interfered and it went really really badly for everyone involved i like i don't know if you can go full isolationism because i think that might be borderline naive yeah definitely but just sticking your thumb in every pie you see is just gonna burn your thumb i guess <laughs> is where i'm going with this metaphor yeah yeah definitely it's um what do you think well the thing that uh, from from the conversations that i've had with people the thing that a lot of people don't seem to either they don't want to really think about or it it leaves their nice box-shaped existence in tatters is that in some instances with isis specifically they are fighting against other muslims who just want a different thing because there are different branches of Muslim just like there are different branches of Christianity and historically those sects have not gotten along in any regards to the religion there were I think it's it's different branches of Islam the religion and Muslims are yeah, 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 of Islam. yeah there are, there are Muslims who do not agree on what should be done in the name of religion and what what things are going on. So they're yeah, as with any religion. Right. Exactly. And so in, in the case of countries like Iraq, 
there are the, the whole issue or, or at least one of the big issues uh, in that the, the war that uh, the states fought basically in Iraq was with some Iraqis against other Iraqis. It was basically a civil war that was assisted by the U.S. for the supposed good guys. But in that case, I don't think anybody is the good guy. It's just you're fighting a war because this country exists, even though the borders don't really represent any sort of, they don't define any one group of people. They define just, it's just an area that someone arbitrarily drew up. I'm not actually sure on the history that like from what I've heard, and I obviously wasn't alive during this time, but the, the Gaza strip, one of the most, probably the most hotly contested oh, land. You're talking no, about, I'm like, talking about Israel. that, that too, but it's, it, it's the same. Obviously there's less Israel's the sort of most on point example of when a committee sat down and drew up a map, but or like Czechoslovakia. Yeah. But that that happens in more places than you'd think. It, like most of Africa was drawn up that way. Mm, yeah, um, colonialism. It, yeah, it's it still happens a lot in the states with gerrymandering, but it's just for obviously just political reasons more than anything else. Um, you end up with people who are who when you hear okay, Iraq is a country for you. This, this is your land. When people, when other people who don't believe the same things as you also claim it to be their land, there's, there's going to be conflict there that is inevitable. There's, uh, there's just no way in the, like never in the history of the world has that been a thing that did not breed conflict. Mm. And I, I just don't see how we can go in fighting because who who are we trying to like what's the best case scenario if we go in and help yeah i I mean i suppose it's worth thinking about your objective what are you hoping to get out of this right because if you're hoping to stop people being beheaded obviously that's a very noble goal but i don't know that this military action will necessarily stop that yeah, I mean, I as controversial as the practice seems to be, like I would almost be all just all for drone strikes. Like, not a whole lot of ex- extensive uh, resource. What do I want to say? Uh, mobilization. Yeah. Just if you can find just ISIS troops in the middle of a desert or something like that and take them out and just continue to harass them from afar by all means. But that seems far too having experienced now a couple of years working in government. That is, it seems like at least to me far too ideal a situation to actually be what happens. I don't think you can be in a, you can be in, in a cubicle in, the States or in Canada, whatever, piloting a drone that's flying over there and like fly over and say, Oh yeah, there's ISIS. Let's just get them. And and (laughs) there's nobody like, first of all, how would you know? I think what we're, I think what we're saying is like Rob being a government worker saying, listen, I've met my coworkers. I'm not sure I trust them with, (laughs) 
with drone operation. Right. Well, <laughs> we have seen a form of like the ideal thing you could do in this type of situation would be to do uh, some kind of surveillance and detail every person's whereabouts in that region, figure out who is good and who is bad, and then design a weapon that specifically can target only the bad people without affecting or harming the good people. And that happened in Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier. Wait, wait, I have not seen it. Are you going to watch so it? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I really want to. So that was the that was the plot of Captain America 2. Spoiler alert to anybody. I'm going to I'll not spoil it for Nick. Um but do you want me to just take my headphones the, off and you can like wave to me when you're ready for me to come back? No, I, I don't think I need I don't need to say anything, but people who have seen the movie will know that that is the ideal situation that I'm referring to and uh it was not a good thing the result was bad in that experiment even in the best case scenario where you have drones that will take out only the bad guys that can be that can go very bad because what who gets to pick who's bad and who's good fair like i don't think the u.s government should be the determiner for the world of who's bad and who's good I don't know that anyone has that power. Yeah. I don't think that that should not be a power that lies with any government. That should not be a power that lies with anybody. Nobody's above corruption. Even by objective, any objective measure, you're not going to be able to determine who is good and who is bad, especially before anything has happened. Like this is a slow process and it has to be. That's how society, that's how humanity moves forward it's slow progress and we when we see obvious bad things going on we try to stop it but i don't even think in terms of overall sort of shock value i think isis might be probably the worst group of people on earth right now but there are a lot of equally bad people they're just not doing as shockingly bad things I think, honestly, the ideal scenario would be if all the surrounding Middle Eastern countries that traditionally don't get along were just like, hey, you know what? These guys are just too much. Can we just get together and, like, beat the snot out of them? And then, like, banding together and being happy and sunshine and rainbows. I think that's the ideal situation. Uh, yeah, so the the... I th- what do you have against sunshine and rainbows, Rob? Well, I think that's what happened. And, and again, I, if I was alive, I was extremely young. But I think that's what happened when the U.S. did that to Afghanistan back in the first time this happened. Or not the oh, first no, time. The first it, modern wait, time. Wait, Afghanistan or Iraq? Both. <laughs> I, I think it happened in, in Afghanistan. Because we've made this mistake before, Rob. When they, no, I know. I, it, I know it happened in Afghanistan. Um, they, where they sell, they'll sell, like the U.S. would be involved, but they would just give weapons to the neighboring, neighboring territories to sort this out. And that was what happened in Afghanistan. The U.S. gave a bunch of munitions to Afghanistan, and then they ended up using it against them later. I thought it was bin Laden. They bankrolled, they supported bin Laden. Well, they, yeah, they, they may have been, if I'm thinking correctly, they were bankrolling both sides to some degree. 
because they were my thinking of Hussein. I don't even know. I think it's all of them. <laughs> That's the hard part about this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that there are bad people everywhere, and in in a in an industrialized capitalist country, people are going to try to profit off of that. Like there is profit to be made in war. The movie Lord of War is a perfect example of or a perfect demonstration of how that works. I don't know if you've seen that or if that's another spoiler. I haven't seen it. It's pretty good. I'm sorry. Nick, one of Nicholas Cage's only <laughs> completely reasonable roles. <laughs> he was very good in that. I think Do you think they uh do you think they have an audiobook version of Lord of War? An audiobook version of a movie. Or like if the movie is based off of a book. It could be. Seems Where might people find such a book if it exists? <laughs> All right, we can do that. Uh, so today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash unwind. Uh, they have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can get that for your iPhone, Android, or tablet. Uh, that link again is audibletrial.com slash unwind. And what I'll do is I'll, I, I doubt they have an audiobook, but we're doing that and I'll see if they, if it actually is based on a book. Oh, already. <sighs> it is not. Ah, oh. it's yeah, it was, it happened fast enough that I don't know that there was time for a book to have been written. Oh, fair enough. Because it was, yeah, these things were happening in the, it came out in 2006, and these things were happening, like, in the 80s and 90s. There was not enough time. No book. Alas. (laughs) So back to ISIS. Yes. Uh, Yeah, it's complicated. It is very complicated. And I don't know that they... So the the news here is that there was a poll that suggested that most Canadians agree that we should support this ISIS-defeating mission. I was going to say, your sentence sounded like it was going that we should support ISIS. I was like, what? (laughs) No. No, no. Uh, Not sure if we've been talking to the same people, but... (laughs) Um, Specifically, deploying apparently seventy four percent of Canadians agree with the deployment of fighter jets for use or in Iraq for use in airstrikes, and fifty four percent support the mission as a whole. Okay, so the mission itself is more contentious than airstrikes, right? Although, I believe the the attack in Ottawa last year was spurred. Primarily by the fact that that Canada was going to be sending jets to Iraq or had had them in the area. Uh, yeah that that actually came out recently and totally we could have talked about that. They got the cell phone footage from the guy. Yeah. That did it. Yeah. Who well, they recorded yeah, a video. They had it all along. Did it. But yeah, yeah. but they were yeah. sorry they released yeah. it. Um, and it's basically like textbook radical islam mm-hmm. it, that's basically what it is like they just they recognize key phrases that the 
radicalized clerics are using. Yeah. And yeah, that's about the long and short of it. Yeah. Straight up radicalized Islam. And can you believe people are still going there? (laughs) Still going to Iraq to To, join ISIS. Like, Oh yeah. People are joining ISIS. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean that in itself is crazy. I uh, I can't imagine that. But it, it, although apparently it's ISIS ISIS's reading of the Quran, uh they believe that they are taking territory so that they can be a part of the final battle between good and evil or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's this one town that's mentioned as a like a battle Okay. In the final battle or in the final war of good and evil, whatever it is, mm-hmm. completely strategically unimportant, but ISIS is ab- absolutely taken it now so that should evil show up, they can try and fight them. Hmm. Although there's a certain irony in that, I think. Yeah. So I don't know if you heard about this. Um, apparently, the the set of the the place where the planet Tatooine from the Star Wars universe was set in it was in that area. It's in uh, Tunisia, it says. Really? Um and so they are now using that set. ISIS have are on that set and are using it as a sort of fortified area. Uh-huh. And apparently there are like that, that place gets a lot of tourist traffic for being a movie set and people are having to be warned to not go there. Oh man. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I'm imagining now cause you never actually get a battle scene on Tatooine. Wait, you see the charred part. I believe I haven't seen that Wait, movie in a very Tatooine, long time. Is it? I think that his the homestead gets destroyed at the end. Oh yeah, I'm thinking. Sorry, I was thinking of the moons of Endor. Uh yeah, because we never actually got to see a battle scene on Tatooine in A New Hope. Right. And wouldn't it be strange if the first battle scene that ever came out of that set was, you know, an actual real life one? Yeah, it's very strange. The, the uh, apparently the the area is actually called Tatooine. It's just spelled differently, T A T A O U I N E. Tatooine. Weird. Yeah, but that's uh, that's very depressing. I'm sure. I'm, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but I'm sure that people who are how can you not be a Star Wars fan? I don't. I don't dislike the movies. I've just only seen them once, and I was fine with them. The original three. Yeah. Huh. I'm okay with them. They're 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 fine. I you surprise me every day, Rob. Every day <laughs> I talk to you, there's a surprise. I'm not I, I don't love any really sci-fi. Can you think of an example that I do? I, I don't think I have one. I didn't I didn't think so. I was about to say Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, nope, not quite, Brain, but thanks for trying. I mean, if, if I think Marvel is the closest that I would get to sci-fi, but it's not really sci-fi. It's just That's not really action. sci-fi. It's superhero. Fantasy. Yeah. 
Superman would be the closest because he's from space. That he is. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Is, is there anything we, we've got? We've droned on here for quite some time. Is there anything else you want to say on ISIS? Uh, just that our episodes start seem to start to start with a lot of laughter, and then we get into the more serious topics as we go on. Yeah. And it goes from ha ha, what a nice time we're having, Rob. To yes, yes, the matter's very serious. It's and it's a very complicated situation. I I have the foggiest idea what the solution is. There might not even be a solution that we can that we can actually go in knowing will be a solution. So that's a try so thing. So is there a way to end this on a light note is what I'm asking, I suppose. Uh, yeah, we actually got a couple of topic suggestions from, again, our uh, our valued listeners. Um, oh, sweet. Did you say listeners plural? Uh, well, I know we have multiple people who listen to the show, but this is, the, the feedback we or not feedback, I guess f- feed forward, we got topic suggestions are more lighthearted and they're from this listener. Oh, nice. Um, he wanted to know what summer festivals and or events we're looking forward to as we sort of come out of this deep chill we've been under. Well, you've been under. Yeah. You guys have been in and out. This El Nino winter, the mild winter coupled with the Chinooks. Oh my. (laughs) Like my bike is now here. I cannot wait to get it assembled. Wow. There you go. Is, is yeah. there anything you're looking forward to? If I can manage it, if I can actually stay here, Stampede, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty great. Have you been before? Did you, You've gone in previous years. Yeah, I, I have the Heller High Water t-shirt. Nice. From the flood year. It's good. They just started selling that in, uh, in cans, DLCBO. Oh, nice. <laughs> Strange. I don't think we're talking about the same thing, but uh, um, <laughs> do you think we are? Um, my internet just froze. Yeah, you've, you've briefly froze for me. Seems normal. Oh, okay. Perhaps we should take that as a sign. We probably should. It's now past four o'clock, so my bandwidth <laughs> is going to drop like a stone. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, I will say that I'm looking forward to Blues Fest in Ottawa because it, it is very good every year. Perhaps that could be a follow-up for our next episode. Sounds good. Awesome. All right. Well, it's great talking to you as always. Good talking to you, Rob. Thanks to you, our listeners, for uh, tuning in. And we'll see you again in a couple weeks. (laughs) Or, you know, whenever, because that's how this works. Whatever, it's fine. And the ceremonial claps have subsided, and we may now begin the episode.